I'm going to start a series of uh, teachings about Christianity. You know, this, um, I hate to describe it as a religion because um, it isn't a religion. Christianity is a way of life. It is a way of life that is ordained by the creator of the heavens and the earth. It is the way of life that has been commanded you know, for us to live by, by the God of creation himself, who came down as man to live amongst us to show us the right way. And the reason that Jesus came is because man refused to do the to fulfill the purpose for which God created us in the first place. Now the sole purpose of man is to glorify God. The sole purpose of mankind in for all of our lifetime, however long, however short, is to bring glory to God. This is the reason God created us to start with. He did not just create us so that we can come into the world and um, just go about our own business and our own affairs, you know, as though we're going to be here forever. We are only here for a little while. Although one must say that um, initially it was God's plan that we were to live forever in his presence, bringing him, giving him glory, bringing him glory and um, enjoying the works of his hands because we were the, were the most favored of the works of God's hands, uh, considering that everything else in all of creation was here before us. We were the last to be created by God. And we were like his uh, crowning glory, shall we say, the, the, the icing on top of the cake, because God created, <clears throat> God created everything in all of the earth. He created the earth and everything, all of the beauty of the earth that we see, all of the animals, all of the seas, all of the oceans, all of the trees, all of the mountains, the valleys, the, the, the rainforests, everywhere, everything. It's just amazing. When I sit down and um, when I consider the work of God, I am absolutely humbled. Each time I sit down and think about it, and believe me, I do that often. Because I look at a world that is so beautiful in so many ways save for the fact that man has corrupted it. But I look at the world that is so beautiful in so many ways, and I'm absolutely enamored with love for God. I look at the the forest. I love to watch uh, nature programs, and it's just so amazing when you look at the rainforest and the thick Amazon forest and um, look at the waterfalls and the deep waters of the earth and, and the sea life. It's just awesome. And all this are sustained without man's help. I know at the moment we're busy running around like headless chickens trying to save the earth and what have you. You know, all the global warming and um, all sorts of things. We wanted to save this, we wanted to save that. I mean, all this being all kinds of schemes by governments all over the world to fleece us of even more cash. Because let's face it, we couldn't save the earth any more than we could create it. And if we trust in, in the evolution theory, which is no theory at all, but a bunch of insanity, that everything in existence came out from one dumb and daft, unknown, lifeless um, Big Bang, then I wonder why we cannot trust the same Big Bang to put, you know, the, to, to put things right again if we think things are going wrong. I mean, this Big Bang, that has, um, has it sustained us, has it sustained the Earth? whereby we have all the seasons in time, everything happens as it should happen. We have not yet witnessed uh, an elephant give birth to a deer. 
We have not yet witnessed um, a monkey give birth to a goat. Humans still give birth to humans. I mean, everything happens in its own season. We do not give, we don't give any assistance to the wild animals to create, to reproduce their young exactly like themselves. Save for the animals that we, we take into captivity. And then we say we, we've got vets and we're helping them deliver and we're breeding them. That's our business. God does not need our help. And those are the only few that we take into captivity anyway. What about all the rest of it? I mean, who is it? Who, who, who can speak of the foundations of the earth, of the seas? So we look at all those things. And as far as I'm concerned, because Bible, the Bible says so, Scripture makes it very, very clear that all of this has come by by intelligent design, which is God Almighty. And he sustains all things. We don't even know the end of our lives. We don't even know how many days we have, each of us. Except for the people who commit suicide, but then, like we know, that's unacceptable to God. That's them interrupting what God has done. And of course, you know, God will let it happen because we have He's given us the opportunity, the rights to choose between right and wrong. Short of that, we can't explain a thing. Scientists try. They try their best to to to, to explain as much as they can. But the scientists who actually try to nullify the existence of God, I don't think greater fools exist in all of creation. So, God has created all things and put all things in place. In perfection, he's established everything. And we all live day by day. We can't even explain the origin of the air that we breathe. Yet without the air, we're, good, we're dead. We can't even explain it. We don't know from which direction it comes. You know, it's just there. And we need it. It's so vital to our, to our existence. We need it so much. We can't survive without it. And so God who created all these things, who put all of this in place, he has ordained that we live a life of praise to him. Now he created us in his own image and likeness. That is not to say we look like God because nobody knows the form of God. But it's just to say that he imparted to us his, his own divine nature, that we may be partakers of his divine nature. Because after God created man, at the end of the, all of his creation, on the sixth day when he created mankind, he looked at all he had done and he, said, and he saw that it was very good. Yes, we were very good to start with. Now we are very, very bad. But we were very good to start with. And it was God's pleasure. And so he gave us dominion over everything else. We were created to worship God. We were created to love and honor God, bringing him glory. Now within every human being is the desire to worship. Why? Because we were created that way. So people worship all kinds of things and all kinds of gods nowadays that are no gods at all. Beside the sovereign God, because if you do not worship God, and that only through Jesus Christ, his son. And we're going to explore why we must worship through Christ Jesus. We're going to see why we must worship through Christ Jesus before our worship can be acceptable, before we can come before God, before we can be reconciled to God. Because right from the beginning, because of man's disobedience in not living the way God commanded us to live, in choosing to believe Satan over the sovereign God, man fell from the secure position with God. And as such, we, there can be no reconciliation with God unless and except through Jesus Christ, who himself is God. He came down as a man amongst us. And so we're going to look at it. 
Because if you look um, in, 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 the, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 4 of Revelation, it says uh, in verse 11, slightly before then, it speaks about the, the angelic host and the angelic being, the, the cherubim in heaven, and how the, and the elders seated around God's throne want to get a picture of the heavenly throne room. This, we read chapter 4 of Revelation. It's, it's amazing. And that's only a glimpse of what is to come, what we are going to see, because one day we are all going to, 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 to be in the presence of God to explain ourselves, either to be judged for eternal condemnation or to be crowned with glory, which is the eternal life which God has given to those of us who trust in Christ Jesus our Lord, those of us who appreciate the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, in the presence of God, the angelic being and all the heavenly hosts, they cry out all the time, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is the eternal nature of God. He always has been. He always will be. He always has been. He's from all eternity. And that is why he put everything in place and sustains everything. And will always sustain everything. And because God is eternal, it is his good pleasure that man should also dwell with him eternally. But not in the present world as we know it, because it is corrupted by filth, by sin. And God is a holy God. He will not, he will not condone sin. As such, he's given us the way out of it. To be rescued, those of us who will live with him eternally. That we can be made holy again and righteous and be restored to that place of perfection, the state of perfection in which he created us in the very first instance. And we dwell with him eternally. Now, even now, those of us who trust in Jesus Christ have eternal life. So if tomorrow I no longer am able to speak in this world that we are in, I will not be dead. I will simply have been taken away from this world, which will come to an end at God's own appointed time, at the return of Christ Jesus our Lord, at his second coming. I will be in the presence of God, praising God with the rest of the saints who have gone to be with him, because I will now not die. I have eternal life already, and this is what, this is what Jesus coming into the world offers to all those who have been sovereignly elected by God for salvation. We'll come back to that later on in the series. However, the the, the, uh, the 24 elders around the throne of God in heaven, they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And we sing that song all the time, coming from that, that very verse of Revelation 4.11. That you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things for your pleasure. And by you were they created and have their being, and they are still having their being. So the sole purpose of man is to bring glory to God. Whatever else we may do in this world, everything we do is to bring glory to God. Now, it, that brings us to the question of Christianity. Because a lot of people consider Christianity to be just another one of the religions of the world. 
And so we have the choice. Mm, I think I choose Buddhism. I like the way, you know, the, the, the so position of karma and the getting the, uh, having peace and all that nonsense. And I believe in, in the re, uh, reincarnation, you know, having gone through this life unsuccessfully, you know, you try, try and make, uh, make it to heaven of some sort, whatever it is um, they, they believe, wherever it is they believe they go to. If you don't make it in that, um, uh, you know, that time around, you come back as some kind of, another kind of creature, some kind of animal or something, and then you try again and all that baloney and all sorts of other funny beliefs like that, that, um, that are expressed in, in all kinds of the religions of the world. In our first and foremost Christianity is not just another one of the religions of the world. No, it's not. There is no comparison, as a matter of fact. There is no comparison at all. Because in Christianity, we call it, it's called Christianity because it means the followers of Christ, the little Christs, those of us who have adopted the way of Jesus Christ in obedience, those of us who have realized our state of hopelessness and helplessness outside of Jesus Christ. And so having received the gospel of Christ Jesus, we admit our fallen state and we cry out to him for mercy and forgiveness. And we repent of our sins. And as such, we are forgiven our sins and given the new life. And we become born again by the Spirit of God. And then from, from then that moment onwards, we now begin to live for God. We begin to live the purpose for which we were created in the first place. We begin to live that life of bringing glory to God. Not, 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 we no longer now live as we used to live. In the foolishness and depravity of the carnal mind, which is what is rampant and is worsen, worsening every day. We no longer live that way. Because now we've been washed. We've been forgiven of all our sin. And so now we've been washed and we've been shown the excellent way. The most excellent way. The way of life that God has from the very beginning of time marked out for man to live. So now we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for God through Christ Jesus in obedience to the teachings of Christ. Because Christ alone, Christ alone gave us exposition of what the kingdom of God is like. Christ alone made known to us what God's plans for man is. Christ alone made it known to us how we can worship the, worship the Father, God the Father, in spirit and in truth. He was able to show us all this and teach us all this because he was himself God. Jesus Christ is God the Son. So he lived amongst us, shared in our humanity, that we may come to understand the life of, that God expects us to live. He lived that excellent life. He lived in a world deluded, uh, deluded in many ways, a world saturated with sin, but yet he lived sin-free. If he could do it, that is telling us that we can do it too. He lived in full obedience to God to show us that we can do it too. He lived a life of love, love for God and love for man. That is to show us that we can do it too. Remembering also that he told us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. If Jesus could do it, so can we. 
because he did not live amongst us with supernatural power in that kind of way. But he shared in our humanity. He did all those things so that we can understand that we also can achieve it. Now, he taught a lot about God's requirement of us. And we will do well to obey him and to understand. Now, all the other religious leaders that we have had in the world have been carnal men, men who have died, never, never, ever, they never rose again. Yes, they did resurrect in the presence of God because everybody will. But I can assure you, they're in hell because they have not made it. They, they have not. They did not bow the knee to Christ Jesus. Nobody, nobody ever makes it to God's paradise without having bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. And saying Jesus is Lord is not a slogan. It is actually, it's a confession that he is Lord of your life. Now, he cannot be Lord of your life if you're not obedient to him. Which is why Jesus said himself, he said it amongst the people. So why, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do as I say? If indeed I were your Lord, you would obey my teachings, you would obey my word. And that, unfortunately, is the state of Christianity today, which is really pathetic. Many people who are professing Christians do not have an idea what they're here for. Christianity has become something of a social, social club. Churches have become social and entertainment arenas. We don't see the righteousness of God on the, on the increase. Now, we cannot please God through any righteousness of our own. We're not good enough. But when we are in Christ Jesus, because our sins were taken on by Christ, he paid for our sins. He took our sins on himself. He was sinless. He was perfect. Yet, he took our sins on himself. He took the punishment for our sins. Punishment that you and I were entitled to. And he died the death that we should have died. Because the wages of sin is death. Now, we were entitled to die for our sins as punishment. And end up in hellfire. But Jesus took all that on. Saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And so as many as will come to Christ Jesus, we receive the forgiveness from God. And our sins are absolutely wiped away from, from God's record. And now imputed to us is the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So now we are considered to be righteous because Jesus was righteous. Now we have the righteousness of Christ. Not because I'm perfect in any way, but I'm now righteous because I belong to Christ Jesus. His righteousness now has been put to my account. And having received such amazing grace, it is expected of us and commanded of us to continue walking in that light, the light of the world that is Christ Jesus. But do we? How many people do it? What is called Christianity today is so pathetic. It's an embarrassment in a lot of instances. And very shameful. And this is why, although we have so many, you know, the number of churches we have now are so, so incredible. The whole world is inundated with churches. All kinds, all over the place. Mostly nowadays, the most fashionable, most trendy. I mean, the, the, I suppose the highest number being the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. But what is going on? What message, is, uh, what message is the church today putting out there? There are very, very few churches that truly belong to Christ. I mean, the situation is so deplorable now that we have, even on one street in a lot of large cities, we've got five churches next door to one another, and none of them working with each other. 
How many Christs have we got? Uh, I mean, what is Christianity? Uh, 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 is it just uh, a whole bunch of different faiths and each person can do as they will and as they desire and as they choose? Of course not. We have one Savior and one Lord. The church worldwide is the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of the body. So why have you got five churches right next door to each other? I've never seen anything more ridiculous. I see it all over the place in London. And London is not the only place. It's like that in most major cities, particularly in Africa as well. We've got them right next to each other, all lined up. Everybody, you know, struggling and competing for business. Oh, yes. The church is the, is, is the most lucrative business going on nowadays. So a lot of people, and people are being enticed in with easy believism. And they exercise in a lot of non-saving faith. Now, unfortunately, unless these things are exposed, and the charlatans and apostates are exposed, unless the teachings, the deceptive teachings and heresies of, of, of Satan are exposed, many people will end up in hell that did not expect it. Because it's not easy, it's not as simple as saying Jesus is Lord and then you go about your own life doing as you please, living as you will. Chasing God around for material things when the Bible makes it very, very clear that we're supposed to keep our lives from the love of money and such things. This is the very same, te- this is the exact teaching that is in, the, in, in, in a lot of churches today. The fact that you're supposed to have the bigger and better things and you're supposed to have the best because you're a child of the kingdom. Who says so? The kingdom of God is not established in this world. It is in us. It is in us by virtue of us being led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. But today we have a lot of um, what we call uh, church today, more, more like the, the, the first century church of Corinth. That church was plagued with so many evils, so many. It was a very sick church. If you read through the first um, epistle of Paul the Apostle in the Bible, I mean, that was a second letter he wrote to them, but we don't have any record of the first letter. But he says, in that letter, he says, when I wrote to you the first time, if you read through 1 Corinthians, you'll be amazed at the state of the church in that day. And that is exactly where we're back at now with the majority of churches. I don't exaggerate when I say the majority of churches. People don't even know what they're there for. Too many Christians can't even explain what the saving faith is. They have no, they, not, many, not many people are, being, are coming into Christianity as a result of having realized their sinfulness. They don't come in to repent. I mean, when was the last time you evangelized to somebody, you spoke to someone about Christ? What exactly was, what did you tell them? What was your witness to them? Did you tell them that they're full of sin and, and laden with sin and as such, unless they came to Christ, for forgiveness and the repentance of their sins, they would not make it to, to God's kingdom eternally. Or did you tell them that uh, Jesus, you know, he's amazing. Jesus is Lord. And my pastor is so hot. He's incredible. When he prays for you, boy, we've got this breakthrough seminar going on in our church. We're going to have this revival for, for financial breakthrough. We've got the singles night coming on. And if you come in, you know, all, all your problems, you know, singleness, you get the, you'll meet the right husband or you meet the right wife. We've got so many singles in our church. And so we got this conference. Or oh, my pastor is so rich and he tells us, he tells us, he's teaching us how to get rich. 
how to hit the financial breakthrough. He's got a special anointing service going on. What exactly is it? What did you tell the person, the last person you told, you spoke to about Christ? Or the last person you invited to church? What did you tell them? Because you know what? Unless you tell them that they are laden with sin and that unless they come to Christ for their sin to be forgiven and they repent of the sin, because it's not enough just coming to Christ and yeah, forgive me, Lord, you have said you'll forgive. And then you get up and go back again and go back into sin, wallowing in sin. That's a waste of time. There can be no forgiveness without repentance. Unless you make a person, unless you tell a person about their fallen state and hopelessness, about how their efforts and everything they're doing in this world, whatever they may have achieved or they may be achieving, whatever they may be accumulating or have accumulated, whatever they may own, is all futile if they do not have Christ in their lives. Because at the end of their days here, however long, however short, it will always be short, even if we live to be 150. That will will always be like a day compared to eternity, which we're going to, the life we're going to live forever. Now, everybody's going to live forever, but are you going to live forever in the presence of God, or are you going to live forever in hell? Everybody's going to live one of, in, in one or the other. There's no neutral ground. So, you see, unless you tell a person that, and as such, they realize that their existence is futile unless they bow the knee to Christ and ask for forgiveness. Unless you're telling people that you are lying to them. All you are doing is propagating the lies of Satan. That's all you are being. A servant of the devil. Filling people up with empty notions and lies. Satan doesn't mind people going to church. Of course he doesn't. He's, he's there before any of us every any Sunday morning. He goes to church himself. He's happy for you to read the Bible as long as you don't believe and obey it. He's happy for you to be in church as long as you're there for the wrong reasons. So don't think that the fact that you go to church, that's fine. And, and you know, you pay your tithes and you put in your seeds and you put in your offerings. God does not need a thing from any one of us. He doesn't need a penny from you or me. He created all things. He has all things in his hands. So we should stop thinking like we need God. Forget about all the nonsense teachings we have nowadays where they keep telling you just all, 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 all that's important is just sow your seed and bring your money in as though God needed something. The kingdom of God cannot continue unless you, unless you pay your tithes. God cannot continue his work unless, you, unless you, you sow the seed of faith. Who says how much did God collect from anybody before he created the vastness of the earth? How much did your parents pay to God before he gave, them to, gave you to them? And how much have you paid him to receive anything? Although I must say nowadays there are places called church where people are being charged for all kinds of services. You're looking for the fruit of the womb. They, they charge you so much. So much. You're looking for a partner. You, look, you want to start out with immigration problems. You, all kinds of nonsense is going on today. But I tell you, and I say it with every, every confidence, God does not need a penny from you. He's not interested in your money or your tithes or whatever offerings you want to give if you're going to be disobedient. The Bible makes it very clear that God is not interested in sacrifice. He's more interested in your obedience. So whether or not you're paying tithes and you're giving seeds and you're sowing seeds and all that, and all this, you know what? The irony of it is most people who do this do it anyway out of greed because your preacher has told you that the more you put in, the more you get back out of God. And so the church has become such a social field. Now we're going to say, 
What has God's timeless message been? From the very beginning, from the days of Noah, before God destroyed the first earth which he created, the message was one of repentance. Repent and turn to God. He did, God destroyed the world in that time because the people refused to repent. And then it started another generation of peoples through Noah's descent, Noah and his descendants. And the message has carried on because sinfulness, of course, unfortunately, did not cease. And so the message is carried on. All the way through the prophets in the Old Testament, their message is always the same. Repent and turn to God. And that carried on all the way through to John, John the Baptist. Repent and turn to God. The message has been timeless. And then, after John the Baptist came Jesus Christ. And the message was the very same. God himself came down and gave us the same message, return and turn to God. The message was handed down to the apostles, return, return, repent and turn to God. It's all the same. It will always be the same. The message has not changed. So whatever nonsense you're listening to today, which in the name of preaching, that does not bring you on your knees before Christ Jesus, that does not help lead you to repent of your sinfulness whatever else you're hearing is nothing but heresy and lies from satan the message of god is timeless christ came down in the flesh he was god incarnate and he gave us the message he came down he lived the life of god he himself is god as we know it in John chapter 1 from verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Do you have the light? Now, this is just the beginning of uh, a series of messages on Christianity. We're really going to explore exactly what we're supposed to be doing, where we're at what is expected of us that you may know if you're truly saved and if you're still one who's choosing other religions that you may know exactly you're following satan know where you are well, i'll continue this the next time we uh, we meet for now my name is sarah jolly Manuel. i'm the minister of living word church and i can be contacted uh by email on living word church at btinternet.com until the next time may the lord be with you <music>